Welcome to Helpful Social Work. Social work has the power to change people's lives for the better. This podcast aims to help you learn, think and act with integrity so that people who need social work get help that will transform their lives. I'm Jerry, And I'm Jo. And this is our fifth podcast of our Series 5 set about what makes a good social worker. This one's recorded at the start of July 2020 and we plan to put it out in September. Um, We're going to have a break from podcasting in August, so this is the first podcast that we've put out after the break. Um, Every month we're posting a pod on the second Friday of the month, and this will look at what makes a great social worker. Uh, We started in April with the overall ingredients, and we're now looking at each of the domains of the professional capabilities framework in England. Last month was rights, justice and economic well-being. Uh, That completed our set on ethics. And we're now looking at the practice domains, and that's uh, today's topic, knowledge, followed by skills and intervention, analysis and critical reflection. And then we're going to move on to the impact domains, which is professionalism, context and organisation and professional leadership. Thank you so much for continuing to listen. We had over 2,000 downloads last month um, that we looked at, which was June, although we only put out one podcast that month as it went. Um, Our listener numbers are going up in California and New York, which is exciting, and in the UK in Lancashire, Bristol and Manchester particularly. And also hello to listeners in Germany. Vielen Dank für das Anhören unseres Podcasts. And also we wanted to shout out to Shelley from Durham. Yes, that's right. She um, was listening to our last podcast while watching her kids doing socially distanced karate on an oval um, and it was just, I just loved that image that she offered us. So, you know, COVID has really affected what we do and how we do it. Um, and it was lovely just to get that little glimpse of how, um, you know, children are adapting to their sports and their hobbies and the things that they need to do and how parents are adapting to, to um, working with them and being with them. So that was great. So do tell us what you think of the podcast and you can do that on our website www.helpfulsocialwork.com or by commenting on iTunes or Spotify or on our Facebook page Helpful Social Work Podcast. I also wanted to take a moment to let you know about some of the things that you can listen to that fit with recent topics. So Rennie Edder-Lodge has done um, a series of podcasts around race, um, Slay in Your Lane, which is a topical news and popular culture from a black British female perspective. That's um, Yemi Edegoke and Elizabeth Uvibianeni. And I may have said that wrong. And there's a podcast by Audine and Drew in the USA called Decolonize Social Work. And you wanted to mention White Fragility, Joe. I did. I'm just reading that at the moment. Um, it's Robin D'Angelo's work. And it's really given me a language for all the things that I sensed and never quite grasped that um, are so essential for me to be effective as an anti-racist practitioner. So um, I think it's really it's really worth a read. I'm I'm loving it. And um, I guess it's time for us to start to think about this episode, which is all about knowledge. And as usual, we'll start with what the professional capabilities framework has to say about this domain. And as you know, there are different levels of the framework. So we've chosen to home in on the experienced social worker, practitioners who experienced in their work, um, as this is something to aim for or something that will support any social worker. And it really captures the essence of the domain. So this is what the domain says about knowledge. Develop and apply relevant knowledge from social work practice and research, social sciences, law, other professional and relevant fields, and from the experience of people who use use the service. Um, And for me, what really stands out there is um, 
how eclectic social work is. It's one of the things I really love about it as a profession is that we do look to a lot of other professions to supply insight um, and knowledge into our own profession. And then it goes on to say um, that we develop our professional knowledge throughout our careers and sustain our curiosity. As a unified profession, we develop core knowledge that relates to our purpose, values and ethics. We also develop specific knowledge needed for fields of practice and roles. Our knowledge comes from social work practice, theory, law, research, expertise by experience and other relevant fields and disciplines. All social workers contribute to creating as well as using professional knowledge. I, th I think this is such an important point um, that we need to be actively adding to the research in our field and the knowledge in our field. We understand our distinctive knowledge complements that of other disciplines to provide effective services. And like I said, for me, that's, that's um, something that's quite important is that we are drawing from a whole range of services. And the other thing that strikes me about this profession is how much we have to know in so many different areas. Our profession, it's united by the commonality of humanity. So all the knowledge we embrace is about humans, but the breadth and diversity of it is astounding. Um, and the other thing is what we don't know, we don't know always strikes me as well. You know, I started out in this field in the late 80s as a residential worker in the disability field. And then I moved into youth work, foster care support, child protection, the legal field, school counselling, adoption, management, working with the central government on policy for ICS and then into teaching social workers. And at every single stage, I've needed to draw both on the fundamentals of my training, but also really importantly on continuous professional development. So for every single one of those roles, I've gone in with more social work experience and gone, oh, hang on. I don't know three quarters of the things here that I need to know that I don't have all the knowledge and I've had to actively keep gaining knowledge. You know, I'm now 56 years old and every day is still a school day in this profession. There's always more to learn, more to be curious about. Occasions to talk with people whose deep knowledge and experience of different subject areas both humbles and inspires me. And I think one of the things for me is I really I count myself so lucky to have found a profession that keeps me on my knowledge toes every day and really draws you in to learning all the time. I think it's just one of the wonderful things about uh, about being a social worker. Yeah, and the this domain is a really long domain, I think, because knowledge is so broad. And we'll talk a bit um, later about what knowledge is and you know how we acquire it and all that kind of stuff. But just thinking even about the statements in the domains, which domain has got these I statements, I do whatever. Um, there's there's a lot here about the different forms of knowledge or the different areas of knowledge that we would want to to know. So having a, some specialist knowledge, having knowledge of the legal and policy frameworks and guidance, um, having a working knowledge of human growth and development throughout the life course. And that's kind of what hangs the whole profession together so that we're not splitting up into I only know I only do adolescence or I only know about older people um, recognizing the impact of psychological socioeconomic environmental and physiological factors so that's really thinking about the context um, and the individual nature of people's experience systemic approaches um, is in there um, 
looking at the centrality of relationships and these concepts of attachment, separation, loss, change and resilience. There's um, an element in here about understanding forms of harm and impact and thinking about strength and resilience and vulnerability and risk. And then there's an expectation that we would have a range of theories and models for social work intervention. Um, and we'd be able to critically understand social welfare policy. Um, so the social context, the economic context that we work in, um, there's an element in here about research and use of research and other evidence and also developing that ourselves and having a critical understanding of it. So we're not just uncritically applying knowledge, but we're really reflecting on it. Um, and then there's a really important element around taking account of the expertise of service users, carers and professionals and seeking their feedback on what we do. And finally, a whole newly developing area, rapidly growing area about the opportunities and risks of new technologies, digital resources, online communications, virtual environments and social media. So like, it's not a surprise, is it, that it's a lifelong task to think through the knowledge we need, develop that knowledge, embed it, share it and keep, keep on our toes, as you say, around the knowledge. Yes, I, I'm very passionate actually about how we use all this knowledge. And as you were reading all those things out, I was kind of um, thinking about all the different opportunities I've had to learn in all of those areas. Um, you know, and like I said, what a what a real privilege that is. But for me, I think we owe it to people we work with to know as much as we can about the areas we're talking and offering them support with. I, I truly believe it's just it's not enough to have had a similar experience yourself or to have talked with people who have had similar experiences and to base your claim to knowledge on that. We really need to use the best research available to explore the topic and then apply the experiences to the knowledge to supplement or test it and then look for further evidence through more research and triangulate this through reflection. You know, it's, it's a complex process gaining knowledge and it's not just reading a book it's not just attending a lecture it's not just working with somebody and learning on the job or listening to somebody's experience you have to really take that all and you have to kind of take it through a conscious process and when I'm talking to um, social workers when I'm teaching some of the things that I talk about is the fact that if you just have an experience over and over again, it'll never be broad enough or general enough to, to overtake the type of learning and knowledge that you need from research where they've carried it out with a number of different people over ba different backgrounds and circumstances and periods of time. We simply can't accumulate the right kind of knowledge from a simple experience. And if we have that experience over and over again without having time to reflect on it or process it or compare it to the research, or conduct any kind of scrutiny. It really just leads us to replicating the same actions every time the same issue presents itself, and we end up treating everybody the same. We kind of spread our thin layer of experience over everybody's lives. And for me, that means we talk about practice wisdom, and practice wisdom is something you get from having repeat experiences and from working with people and learning from them. But if you don't combine that with the knowledge and the reflection, I don't think you're practice wise. I think you're practice lucky. Yeah, this does go back to something we've talked about before, which is 
I haven't mentioned for ages, it's um, the thing I, I took from general practitioners in medicine, which is this idea of specialist generalists. Mm. So we are constantly developing and honing our knowledge, but we're not narrowing it because the more people you work with and the more you absorb, the, the greater your framework and your lens for looking at the world. So you do have to kind of home in and, and be able to pull out and look at what's around the particular situation that, that you're that you face in that moment. Yeah, I, th I think like for me, knowledge is really it's it's a combination of experience and research and reflection all coming together um, and then allowing you to be able to own properly own all of the implications of the experience and the reading and then be able to apply it because that's the other thing. Um, knowledge without application in social work is not particularly helpful. We're really wanting um, to apply our knowledge. And for me, you know, when you think about knowledge, knowledge is power. And we know this instinctively, I think. Um, and we create all kinds of jargon and acronyms and diagnosis and tools that belong to our profession. Um, and I'm not just talking about social work as a profession here. I'm, I'm talking about all professions. Anyone who sat in a dentist chair during a checkup thinking what on earth is an occlusal amalgam and will it hurt or a UL6 mod composite. Um, you know, we experience that kind of language of the profession. We don't actually like it. And then we kind of turn around and say to to each other or, or we use our own language, we'll have to strat this or go straight to an EPO. There's definitely indication of ACEs here. And I think we ought to think about attachment and reciprocity. You know, knowledge is power and we need to be giving power back to the people we're working with by sharing it appropriately and accessibly. accessibly. And people can only do that if they own the knowledge properly themselves because you've got to be able to deconstruct it back down to the level of the person you're working with in a way that's meaningful for them that still is sound. And if you don't actually own the knowledge through hard work, you won't be able to go deep enough to help the person own it as well. Does, does that make sense? Yeah, it really does. I think it's kind of how you think about knowledge, whether it's a kind of a stick to beat someone with or whether it's a, a helping hand. You know, what What is the mm. purpose of the knowledge that you have? What are you trying to do with it? Are you trying to share power or are you trying to impose? Yeah. And for me, you know, we because we're because as a social worker, your aim is eventually to be not needed, isn't it? That's I mean, for me, that's every social worker's dream is wouldn't it be great if we lived in a society where actually social work was not something that was necessary? Um, and, and maybe I'm wrong about that, but that's kind of how I've always felt about it. So you're wanting to you enter people's lives and what you're wanting to do is find as many different ways as you can for them to walk away with everything they need to live a good life. Um, and so therefore, of course, transfer of knowledge is absolutely critical to that. Um, I think the other thing for me is about trust. People want to know the people they're working with have some kind of knowledge to back up their actions. You really don't want someone whose best guess is based on the same kind of things their own is. You're looking for more than that. And I've really um, had lots of experiences of this lately because there's been some struggles in, in my personal life that have meant I've needed 
somebody who has more expertise than me. And I really wanted them to have more knowledge than me. I wanted that. I wanted someone who knew what they were doing, um, therefore could help us. And I was watching someone talk about COVID-19 the other day, and she started by stating her qualifications. And she sort of stood there and said, why am I able to talk to you about this? Well, it's because I'm an epidemiologist. I've studied for over 20 years in the following countries. I've been involved in supporting the UN in the Ebola outbreak, the SARS outbreak, and now this outbreak. And she kind of established her credentials. And she said for her, it was because in this age of social media, information has never been so accessible or so misleading. And one of the things that I think we need to be able to do when we're working with people is establish the veracity and the provenance of the information we use. People really need to know where they can cross check and challenge us so that they know we're drawing our knowledge from authentic sources. And it's not enough just to say, because I, because I work with Mrs. Smith down the road and she was the same as you, I think people need more, more checks and balances than that. And that's what gives them trust in us. Yeah. And um, if I could just finish on one last note, Jerry, then I'm going <laughs> to let you talk. But um, for me, I think one of the best examples I can give this is 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 one of practice. Um, as a young worker in the 80s, I was involved in a case of domestic abuse and I hadn't really worked with many cases of domestic violence. And I also had, had really not done all the reading and training I have now. Um, I, I was very light on in the knowledge field, quite honestly, um, and, and, on, and in the experience field too. And the approach I took, I was working with someone else, but we took was to help the woman leave the family home and set her up in a safe place with her two children. And I was really pleased about that outcome. I was really relieved because she was safe, because the violence in the home had been really escalating and I'd been very preoccupied and fearful for her and the children. But the thing was that case ended up as a murder-suicide with two children left parentless. And it was quite a formative and shocking experience for me. And in the aftermath of the shock and grief, one of the psychologists who was working with me, because of course I got huge amounts of, of knowledge offered to me afterwards. Um, and he just said to me, and it was in this kind of offhand way, well, of course, this was one of the most dangerous times for her just after separation. And many of the more experienced people involved in the case, they just nodded. But I sat there going, what? What? You know, and I don't, I don't know how it passed me by, but at that time, I actually didn't know that piece of research at all. I had genuinely thought she was safe now. Um, and of course, I now know, and there's, there is lots of research around which tells us that um, in these cases where there's been this escalation of violence and the woman has left, that that leaving is a very, very dangerous time for her. Um, in terms of um, homicide. So, uh, yeah, and I think that does indicate not just the importance of a range of knowledge, so the, the research knowledge, the professional experience, the experience of, of women who've been through this, but also the importance of sharing it and mm. being actively supported and encouraged to learn. And I think the other thing here is that we will all have, I think, similar stories of where if only I'd known that and mm. 
we need to kind of keep persevering and building our knowledge um, because there will always you'll always come across situations where you wish you'd known more and if that stops you from being a social worker or feeling able to kind of persevere then that's a real shame because that that act of curiosity um mm. yeah it needs it needs to you need to be able to kind of pick yourself up and be supported again to keep working through um I agree, Jerry. And I think also, too, the curiosity is really important. And also, there is no such thing as a dumb question, really. Like, I think social work is a great field to be able to keep for your whole life the ability to say, I don't know what I'm doing, or I don't know enough about this, or I need some pointers here. I think it's a really important field to never establish yourself as someone who actually knows everything, but to always establish yourself as someone who is really open to hearing from others and to learning from other um, experience, expertise and research all the time. Yeah. And building better op opportunities, better ways and approaches of helping people thrive requires mm. people to be able to talk about mistakes and things that they missed and things that went well but weren't. Yeah, we're lucky um, mm. and be really open about those things. And that's not the same thing as 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 not acknowledging tragedy or not acknowledging accountability it is you know, what we don't want is a, is a group of social work, experienced social workers who make it look easy and intimidate others. You know, we've got to be mm. able to talk about our learning. Yeah. And I think that's a really a good point that make it look easy. We all one of the responsibilities we have as senior social workers. Um, and, you know, I would consider myself with 20 years plus experience now to be one is that we need all the time to be willing to be able to describe what we do, why we're doing things and what the links are between our actions and the knowledge um, really clearly for people so that they don't think it's some kind of magic or that it's something that we've just, we were just born this way, um, but that actually the work that we do comes from hard-won knowledge. And that also opens us up to the, the knowledge and the insight of, of new people as well, doesn't it? Yeah. yeah. Um, so I want to talk a little bit about what knowledge is, and I'm going to keep this fairly brief because it's not really a philosophical podcast. Um, but one of the things I quite like is that knowledge, know is obviously about from the word to know, it's an old word, but the ledge part of it seems to come from an old word meaning action or practice. So this hmm. is the idea of action in our knowing. Um, yes. And it's knowledge in social work isn't static, it's something we apply. Um, and there's in our in our culture, um, kind of North European culture, we draw a lot from Greek philosophy and Aristotle wrote quite a lot about knowledge and talked about something that is quite helpful, I think, for social work, which is the idea of different kinds of knowledge, depending on the purpose that you have. So mm. there's theoretical knowledge, which is about pursuing truth um, and the, about the attainment of knowledge for its own sake. There's um, productive kind of knowledge which is about making things and the purpose is to is to create something and then there's kind of practical disciplines which are sciences which have a purpose around practical wisdom and knowledge and quite often social work is, is put into a sort of practical thing mm. um, but actually it does incorporate all of those so 
we do have a purpose about trying to get at truth, the truth of people's lives. And mm. that's our sort of theoretical area. We do also have a sense of um, being craftspeople and co-producing mm. things. So we have a sort of knowledge which is about um, you, know, the art of creating things, the um, the the knowledge about how you did something, how you got somewhere, and how you can do that and replicate that elsewhere. And then we also have this kind of real practice wisdom and knowledge, um, which is about what's it like to live and what do we know about people's lives and how can we um, how can we understand people's lives and I think the sort of the theory the the creativity and the practical knowledge all come together really really well mm -hmm. in social work yeah that's a beautiful image actually Jerry of um, using those those three different um, pieces of knowledge and I've always thought of um, of social workers as um I always say we're like um we're map makers and journeymen you know we we help people draw out a map of where they are in their life of where they've come from and of where they want to go and then we accompany them along that journey for some of the way to make sure that they get on the right paths and the, and the, the things that they chose and the things that they need, those resources to help them make that journey safely um, come together for them. And so, yeah, I really, I really like that idea. Um, a practice soaked in theory where we act, reflect and learn. I really, I think that's lovely. So, yeah. um, we talked about ranges of knowledge in the PCF, the Professional Capabilities Framework. So there's a long, a long list. I wonder what may be the most list. important elements <laughs> for you, Joe. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's a that's a good question. Uh, so the ones that really stood out to me when I was listening to you, the first one is human growth and development through the life course. I I totally agreed with you that that is like the spine of social work. And we need to be understanding that development through the life course all the time. And, of course, the really important thing to realize is that this field of human endeavor is not static at all. We're learning more and more about development through the life course all the time. Um, and so it's a really lively field. And so you can't do child development and say you're done. And of course, the other thing is um, that for a lot of us, we have looked at child development through the um, ethnocentric lens of our own society. Um, and as more and as there's more richness in social work around the world and there's more knowledge coming in from all different parts of the world, we really need to think about human growth and development through the life course as 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 um uh, a global endeavour as something we need to attend to across across um, the different countries. And then also um, just the systemic approaches. For me, uh, you know, the social context, the environment, relationships. For me, I'm such a believer that every person lives in a system where, you know, no human is alone. And so therefore we have to attend to those systems and we have to understand the impact of those systems on the person. Um, so I loved that idea. And then there's um, relationship and understanding people's strengths, resilience and vulnerabilities. And lastly, then I'll shut up. Um, it's uh, for me, 
thinking about the policy and the evolution and the implementation and the impact of that, really we can't ignore that social work is commissioned as a political tool as well as as a profession on its own. And so a lot of the things that we ask to do over the history of social work have had a really political and policy context to them. And so I think that as a social worker, we really need to understand that context and we need to weigh and measure that context against the ethics of our profession and what it is that our profession is here to do. Yeah, and that's, um, I just want to say a little bit about how we learn and then we can talk about some of those problems with knowledge and, and um, how we might get around some of them. Um, so they, the way we learn in social work is very much a sort of cycle, isn't it? We, we practice and we reflect and we take that reflection into our next practice. Um, so we're really active members. So it's not like we're absorbing knowledge coming at us. We're also um, developing and building our own knowledge and contributing mm. to the knowledge of the profession. But we are doing that within a system and within structures and within um, a context which will bias and warp and twist and move and shape the things that we're interested in learning about and the practices that we're trying out. Um, and that's where I think the potential problem with knowledge comes. Um, you know, who, whose knowledge? <laughs> so, yeah, so you had something you wanted to kind of talk about there around um, where our knowledge has come from. Yeah, I, th I think for me it was um, just about, you know, if you look at the International Federation of Social Work definition, um, uh, underpinned by theories of social work, social sciences, humanities and indigenous knowledge, social work engages people and structures to address life challenges and enhance well-being. And for us, um, the problem is that our knowledge is often um, Western, Northern European. It's, it's really rooted in a particular philosophy and culture. It's male-dominated, white, Christian. And we really need to be careful when we're taking knowledge in, that we're curious about the methodologies, that we find out why studies were carried out, in what context, by whom and for what purpose. And are there other studies and other cultures with similar findings or is there huge variation? Um, I've been having quite a vigorous informed debate with my son at the moment about the benefits and disadvantages of gaming. And so his challenge to me was, show me the proof, mum, about all this stuff you're worried about. And so I've been collecting papers from all over the world on this topic so that we can continue to have this discussion. And it's really interesting the variety there is in how people view the use of um, gaming across the world, actually. There's not one united voice. Um, and so we've both managed to bolster our viewpoints um, with the different uh, the stuff that we've collected. And it's also about the type of question you ask, uh, what type of research you look for. And it all really matters because when people are already um, suffering under structural disadvantage, knowledge and research can be used to double down on that disadvantage. I was reading a really interesting or listening to a really interesting um, economics talk about this um, phenomenon, which is that the more specialist you are, the better you are at uh, at um, confirmation bias, the better you are mm -hmm. at grabbing things that fit with your viewpoint and finding holes in things that don't. 
and sometimes what you need is someone who comes along who really doesn't know very much about the field to just say well what why yeah. um and that that diversity of view is, is so important because it's really easy to get pushed into or put drive yourself into quite a narrow view and that's one of the reasons, isn't it, when, when we're trying to um, do reflective work with, with um, social workers when we're teaching, we often use de Bono's hat and we give people roles about being sceptical and challenging about what they're hearing. Because actually, often when a group of social workers get together, they look for what is similar in their experiences and their knowledge and they cohese around that. And so you get that kind of me too effect. Um, and yeah, you're not wanting to um, use knowledge to confirm your own bias. You're, you're wanting to use it to try and understand as richly as you can what is happening for the people you're working with and, and what might be helpful for them. So I wanted to pick up on this idea of Indigenous knowledge as well, because I've just been, this is this is kind of July now, I've just been at the um, International Federation of Social Workers Global Meeting, which is the general meeting for all the associations. And one of the agreements um, from that meeting is that the Indigenous Committee will become a commission. And that means that there'll be a body that will directly advise the International Federation of Social Workers about um, Indigenous voices um, and Indigenous matters. Its purpose is that the Commission will ensure that Indigenous voices are heard and valued, and it will advance um, the commitment to supporting Indigenous bodies of knowledge and perspectives um, so that they can underpin theories of social work and providing a shared space for Indigenous bodies of knowledge to develop and flourish so that social workers can engage with peoples and structures to address and enhance cultural well-being. And there's a couple of really interesting elements to the work around this. So the, the first is that Indigenous peoples have to be actively involved participants in the creation of international policies, particularly those that affect them. And often we know historically they haven't. Um, and that policies that affect people have to acknowledge and incorporate the diverse or unique needs of Indigenous peoples. And that the other thing that's really, um, really valuable, so as well as acknowledging and um, ensuring that policies work for everyone, um, and traditionally they, they really haven't, um, also that those who use Indigenous customary knowledge should include measures that promote, protect and recognise this knowledge as the intellectual and cultural property of the Indigenous people. So not only have we had a tendency to um, dismiss Indigenous knowledge, but also we've had a tendency mm. when we've used to cultural um, knowledge, yeah, to not recognise it and not value it. Um, yeah. Um, so that, I think that was a really, I think this is quite an important moment in social work's history, actually, to not just have it in the, in the definition, not to have the work going on, but to have a commission recognised as a as an advisory body for the Federation. Yeah, I think it's fantastic. And anyone, um, you know, who's who's really interested in in getting a, a global view of social work and, and thinking outside their own box, there's um, you know, going to the International Federation of Social Work and actually looking at their resources, um, attending some of their webinars, reading what people are doing around the world in terms of social work and development is, is I think, really helpful and very exciting. Um, you know, so there's lots of amazing things that are happening out there. I think we need to deliberately look for training opportunities and use acknowledged sources such as the International Federation of Social Work to... Um, open ourselves up to other ways of looking at things.
Yeah, so I guess um, kind of coming to the end of the podcast and the, the sort of conclusion, other than that there's lots of knowledge, um, I think is trying to be really thoughtful about the knowledge we prioritise, be really open to knowledge from lots of different sources and to be really um, critically reflective about where, the knowledge, where knowledge has come from and where the power is in it. I think always mm. asking the question of if knowledge is power, who how do, who does this knowledge benefit? Um, where's yeah. the power in this? And who gets to decide what knowledge I have as a social worker? How do I kind of question that and be curious about that? Um, and just to keep learning and keep and keep developing knowledge ourselves and keep sharing it. Um, and I think that there, I, I liked your your kind of comment that every question is a good question um it's always okay to say you don't know and it's always okay to ask for information yeah. it's always okay to ask about information that you get well actually i must confess jerry that until i started working with you on these podcasts four years ago i was very guilty of um or maybe even longer than that to tell you the truth this um came up but i was very guilty of um skipping the methodology part of research because i thought it was really boring um, and it, I, I now realize, of course, that it's the most important part because it's the motivation for why that knowledge is there. And we do need to understand what motivates people to look at something and what types of questions they asked and what viewpoint they were coming from, because that does inform us about how that knowledge can be used and and I think that there has been lots and lots of examples of knowledge being misused um, and, and, and as a tool of oppression, I guess. So I, I do think that as social workers, we really do need to be critically thinking all the time about where we're gaining knowledge from and what it means and how we're going to use it. But the other thing I would just say is um, it's so delightful. Like for me, I just... I just find the chance to listen and learn one of the wonderful parts of our profession. Not all professions have such rich, continuous professional development expectations. And so I think it's a really fantastic part of our profession. But we do have some reflective questions just to end with. Um, and I do like these. Um, so the first one is, how did I learn to be a social worker? So really sitting back and thinking about the knowledge that you use every day and what you regard as, as, as precious and helpful. How did you learn it? How did you learn to be a social worker? I think that's a fab question. And then what knowledge underpins what I think a social worker is and does? So when you look at that huge list, which bits of that list resonate to you and if, are there things on there or things that aren't on there that you think should be on there, you know, what's standing out for you and what is it that you understand about, you know, the knowledge base for social work? I think it's really good as well. <laughs>